Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. Wow! For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs> You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, as we're coming to you for something we promised that we would do all the way back in March. What was that? Uh, five, six months ago, when we were uh, reviewing John Wick Chapter 4, and we talked about all the John Wick spin offs coming out, uh, particularly the Continental, the three part miniseries slash TV series uh, that's a spin off slash prequel of John Wick. And we said we'd be here three weeks in a row to actually cover the show. That's right. Somehow we've managed to get Jamie on here for three weeks in a row. Well, so far we've managed one. Uh, We'll see if she actually bothers to show up for the next two weeks. It's John Wick. Of course I will. Uh, There's no Keanu Reeves on this one, so maybe you won't. I don't know. Well, it still makes me think of him. So yes, I'll be here. As long as Jamie can think of Keanu Reeves, she will be here every single week. So if she can somehow think of Keanu Reeves... During 24, we can get her on for 24 season six. No, that's okay. I'll yeah. pass. Well, uh, I would pass on 26, uh, 26 season four. Uh, 24 season six. I'd pass on that too. Fortunately, I'm already obligated. But uh, anyways, Continental uh, episode one. We're going to recap slash review it here with some spoilers. Not all spoilers, but with some spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, tune out now. My name is Colin and I have that good looking white boy discount. And my name is Jamie, and I'll be seeing you. Well, <laughs> you're seeing me right now. Uh, <laughs> Good-looking white boy? With the discount, yes. Uh, this uh, this TV series, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I saw very little. I wanted to see very little going into this. I knew what the plot was going to be, basically. I'd read up on the casting. Um, I saw a brief, brief teaser of it that was, you know, maybe 15 to 30 seconds long maximum. Didn't bother to watch any trailers. Didn't want to spoil too much. Just want to kind of go into it as blind as possible. Uh, And I'm kind of glad I did because I think I had ideas in my head of what this series was going to be. And to me, this turned out to be something completely different. Something maybe better than I thought it would be. I mean, I I love this first episode slash first movie because, I mean, these episodes are like an hour and a half long. They're basically mini movies. I thought this first one was great. Um, we actually were lucky enough. We just got to see this on the big screen uh, because I'm a Cineclub member. Cineplex, our uh, theater chain here. Uh, I have like a monthly subscription where I get discounts and free admissions for some stuff. And uh, this is only the second time I've ever actually gotten a free admission. I, I got uh, an-, an offer that came into my email to see this first episode on the big screen for free, which was great. Uh, and I couldn't pass that up, So, but the only downside is I could have watched this episode at 5 o'clock this morning when it was raining and it was too wet to go for a run or take the dog out or anything. Uh, instead, I had to wait an extra 12 hours and uh, well, 14 hours to see this again, but seeing us on the big screen was fantastic because uh, it's like watching a mini John Wick movie, but I mean, I love this. What did you think? It, it literally felt like a movie. Like, as in, um, 
you know, I think that you'll know what I mean when you watch TV, like TV shows, and when you watch movies. I do know what you mean. There, I do it no, all no, the no, time. No, 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 just listen. There's like, I don't know if it's a different way of filming or a different frame rate. Like, I don't know what it is. But this 100% just completely felt like a movie. It didn't feel like a TV show to me at all. Um, but I'm with you the same way that um, I didn't see any trailers or anything for this. I also wanted to be very surprised. The only things that I saw for it is ads, you know, whether it would have been something just flashing, you know, while watching a video or if there was something, um, you know, showing before a movie in the theater. That That's the only thing I saw in this. I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, I, I know what you mean about like the look and feel of it is a lot more cinematic. Like, yeah. Budget, it's not quite at the level of the John Wick movies, although I'd argue the first John Wick movie, kind of a lower budgeted action movie, this might be sort of similar to that. Um, but overall, the look of it, first of all, the cinematography of this, I mean, it looks very bleak, a little bit dark, very murky, very fitting because the, the the setting in this is, I don't know the exact year, but we're looking at probably the late 70s. You know, it's the disco era. Yeah, like slum, slummy 70s. Yeah, uh, it, t- it takes place in New York. I mean, this is basically the series that's following the Continental. So that's the hotel in well, John it, Wick. It, it talks about the Vietnam War. What years was that? I mean, that would have ended in the mid-70s. Okay. But uh, the, the Continental, the, the hotel in the John Wick universe uh, is basically like a safe haven for anybody in the criminal organizations. And the John Wick movies builds this entire world very slowly over four movies, where it's like secret societies and a lot of ritual stuff. I mean, it, it's it's very crazy. And I think that's the thing that I like best about the movies. But this following just the hotel... Uh, I, I sort of thought, well, this is going to be about running the hotel. And, and really, it's not. I mean, based on this first episode, this is called The Continental. We're going to get more into it. But yeah. this was like, it, it, it's more about the mob world outside. I mean, we're getting glimpses of things we see in future movies. But to me, this wasn't that different from a John Wick movie. It's different characters. We'll get into like some of the characters that are actually appearing in both the movies and the, the TV series here. But uh it wasn't really just about the Continental Hotel, which when this series, I think, was first announced years ago, like I, it was probably around the time of John Wick 3 coming out. So we're talking like four or five years since this has first been discussed. I always assumed that this would have been just about the running of the Continental, and it's not. And the area this takes place in, very specifically, it's a period in the 70s where New York was like very dirty, very sleazy. Uh, they talk about a garbage strike going on. I don't know if you notice, like, uh, th- th- there's a lot of like piles of garbage all over the streets. That was a real thing that happened in New York in the 70s. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. like even the, the the Joker movie depicted the exact same time period where <clears throat> garbage simply wasn't being picked up because it was a strike and it was just piles of garbage everywhere. I mean, this 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 show is very dirty. <laughs> and and I like that about it because it sets it apart from the rest of the, the, the John Wick movies. But uh, uh, yeah, just the setting alone is different. And then the fact in episode one, we're not really getting that much into the content. The content is still just the thing in the background, you know? Um, I don't know. What what were your expectations coming to this, what you thought you were going to see versus what we actually got? Um, I mean, I would probably say the same, that I, I think that I thought it would be a lot about the background with the hotel and the reasonings behind, you know, these rituals and, and rules that they have and stuff like that. We haven't seen a whole lot of that yet. Um, you know, also that's to say there is two more of these, you know, big long episodes left. So there is a lot to, to, to see. Uh, one thing that I was going to compliment, um, this series on was I felt like they did a really good job with transitioning between the different stories of the different characters. 
Um, yeah. You know, because sometimes it can just if you don't do it right and you wait too long to kind of go back to a different character, you could be like, I, I f- forgot what's going on with them already. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but I feel like there's nobody in this movie. Well, I keep saying movie, but again, it feels like a movie. Yeah. There's nobody in, you know, this episode, episode special, whatever that's forgettable in my opinion. Yeah. And that was, I, f- I feel like everybody's actually really great. And I, I, can I just say, I am so excited to see Mel Gibson and something again. Well, and let's say that one of the few things people knew about this show before any footage was released was that it would follow young Winston. Winston is the character who runs the continental hotel in the John Wick movies. Ian McShane plays him. Um, his role kind of got bigger with each movie. I mean, in the first one, he had like two scenes or something like that. Uh, and then you also have Sharon, who's like the concierge at the the hotel. Yeah. You see them both. They're both in this. But Mel Gibson was sort of announced as like the guy who ran the Continental. And I think that, again, I expected this show would have been about him mentoring Winston. Winston was like one of the people working there. And like in this show, Mel Gibson runs the Continental. Like he is definitely not on good terms with the Winston character. In fact, the Winston character, as Dizzy comes down the stairs, she wants to join the episode. Dizzy the dog is here. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Winston, the character, has almost no involvement. I, I, I'm I, trying to think, does he, he sets foot inside the Continental Hotel in one scene of this episode, and it's against his will. Well, yeah, I was going to say sets foot. He, you mean he was dragged in there. Dragged in there, kicking and screaming almost. Uh, almost. He was he was asking but, for pastries and stuff. But, <laughs> but it, it does make you wonder, you know, knowing what you know from the John Wick movies, how does he go from where he is in, you know, this series to the John Wick movies. Yeah, and... and that, that's the interesting part. The fact is, Mel Gibson's character is almost being set up as a villain in the first episode, but he only has, I think, three scenes. And I, I'm kind of glad, like, in episode one or movie one, whatever you want to call this, that they were sparing with Mel Gibson because there are a lot of characters in this. I, I again, sort of assumed that this would have been Mel Gibson and the young Winston, and it primarily would have been their show. But this has a massive ensemble cast. I mean... If we're going to run through the characters right here, I'm just going to count them here. Okay, so these are the, the the main characters that all sort of tie together, slowly tie together over the course of the episode. You've got Mel Gibson, who runs the Continental. You get a young Sharon, who he's, they say is a teenager, but I don't know, he's supposed to be, what, like 18, maybe? I figure he's maybe 18, 19, like that age teenager in here. Uh, they're a small part of the show. You're primarily following young Winston. Uh, you've also got his brother, Winston's brother, who's a character that didn't appear in the movies. Really, the only two characters that appear in the movies are Winston and Sharon. Frankie. Frankie is his brother, yeah. So he's a main character. In fact, he's kind of the opening sequence is built around him. Then you've got these two police officers who are both sort of tied together but have their own plot. And then you've got uh, a character who is Frankie, uh, Winston's brother's wife. So she's in it. Her name's Yen. Yen, yeah. Uh, And then you've got this, I guess, underground gun-running crew that had some association with Frankie, Winston's brother. Um, That's a lot of characters, and I probably missed out on a few already. I mean, there's all these different factions, and throughout 90 minutes, you're getting little bits and pieces of all of them, but you don't quite know how it ties together yet. So, I mean, this is more an ensemble show than I think think it was going to be, but I agree with you. Like, they build the characters well, and you don't really have too much time with any of them. I mean, Winston is definitely the star of the show so far, but... I wouldn't say he's so much the star that you're, you know, only focusing on him. I mean, like, like how with Star Trek Discovery, it was all about Michael. 
Yeah, exactly. Like you, <laughs> you, you don't build an ensemble show with with a lot of great, interesting side characters, and then focus on one person. So they've given a lot of development to these other characters. Um, I don't know. Do you want to kind of go through the plot first, and then we'll kind of break down the characters? Sure. Okay. So we're gonna but, go through. But, but who who was just before we do that? I was just curious. Out of all of the characters on the show, who who was your favorite? Do you feel like? Uh oh, that's that's tough it's hard um, because i feel i feel like the guy who was playing winston i feel like he did such a good job that i could totally see that being the guy from the movie well yeah. like like the same person and the sharon like the, those two guys a hundred percent feel like the younger self of the john wick movies yeah well, i and i think they played it completely differently too like the, the guy who's playing the young winston it's little mannerisms he has, little yeah. ways of how he pronounces things. Yeah, where you're yeah like, exactly. That's a young Ian McShane, but the yeah. character is completely different. Whereas the guy playing Sharon, he is basically like Lance Reddick. The guy who plays Sharon who passed away, you know, obviously before John Wick 4 came out. Um, this guy is basically doing the world's greatest impression of him. It, it, you, you believe you're watching an 18-year-old Lance Reddick while, while you're watching the show and the couple scenes he has. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I don't know if I could pick a favorite character. like Because I don't think that Winston is he's a different character than we get in the original series. So to say that he's the best character, I mean, he's the one who has the most development in this, but I actually, the side characters, I really like that gun running crew. Like I thought that that's something I want to see more of because they almost have their own little secret thing going on with like this underground bunker uh, inside what, like a karate dojo and stuff like that. But I mean, that's that's sort of the way that the, the, the movies were built. You have all these little side characters and they all kind of have their own little quirks and they all have their own, you know, uh, secrets that go on and, and different personalities. Well, it's just like in the John Wick movies. Um, I can't remember if it's in the Continental or somewhere else, but he goes into this room and then it, it it's basically like, uh, you know, I'm here for a wine tasting. Yeah. And and the wine tasting is for, for guns, for, yeah, that for was artillery. In, in John Wick 2 when he was in, in Rome, I think it was. Yeah. And, and it's, they're, they're using all these, you know, terms that would be like for different type of, you know, wines and alcohols and spirits and stuff like that and yet it's literally just about guns but you see kind of it's almost like what we saw with the karate dojo and and you you go downstairs and you see their guns it's like the rawness of it and then you know that wine tasting that you see later it's like oh that's how like was super polished like in the future and that's why the setting of this being the late 70s in new york the, the dirtiest, you know, scummiest version of New York that's ever existed is so important because everything we get in this show is dirtier and scummier. I mean, even the Continental itself, you know, is not nearly as refined. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the ownership too, right? Like, yeah. this show makes a point of showing that Winston, he's well brought up to the point where he's he's he knows how to be sophisticated. Like, his brother has a line where he says, oh, look at this, you're all rich and sophisticated. He goes... I'm playing a part, right? Yeah. But Mel Gibson is definitely not that guy. Like Mel Gibson is, if this is the Godfather, you know, uh, I would say that Winston is Michael Corleone and Mel Gibson is Sonny. He's the hothead. He's the the loudmouth, you know? So so even the Continental kind of has a different personality to it. But going through the plot here. So we we are talking some spoilers. So this is assuming people have watched this show. So if you haven't, stop. Stop. Warning. Now, get out now. We don't want you here. You don't belong. I could turn back time. Well, you can't. So stop listening if you haven't watched it. Yes, as Dizzy sniffs my crotch, uh, <laughs> she doesn't like to be down here. No, uh, well, she she does, she's okay with stairs, but well, anyways, yeah, you may hear her uh, collar jingling and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, so the basic plot of this 
is, uh, I guess, let's, let's talk about the Winston side. So we start the show and you've got what we find out is young Winston, young Frankie, his brother, in the mid-50s. And they don't tell you anything that's going on except that something had happened. I don't know if it's supposed to be a murder or some type of crime. And Frankie is basically saying he's going to take the fall. It's like telling yeah. Winston, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. I'm going to take the fall. And then we immediately flash forward to the 70s. And Winston's in London. And he's selling car parks, uh, which is actually really funny because the way that he's pitching this, the, the people he's pitching it to are very rich, very sophisticated. And they're like, this isn't sexy. Sell me something sexy and not a car park. And meanwhile, everybody watching this is like, wow, this guy's going to make a fortune. <laughs> the, the beginning of car parks. Uh, but uh, he's, he's kind of just running this con game with this, this woman who doesn't really appear outside of the first few episodes. Uh, and then he gets picked up and dragged back. Now, flip side of that is that Frankie... Uh, his brother has uh, a scene where he breaks into the Continental. You have a heist scene where they steal something from the vault. There's a big shootout. And of course, anybody who's watched John Wick knows like the Continental is like, it's like in Highlander, you have the the, the sacred ground. You know, if, if you're on sacred ground, you're not allowed to kill anybody. You're not allowed to touch them. And that's what the Continental is. So they've broken the rules. You have all these, you know, uh, henchmen who are shooting them and it's a big escape. Uh, now, because of whatever Frankie stole, Mel Gibson, who's running the Continental, has dispatched people to London to drag Winston back there. And I, I love the personality game because it, it's something that matches up with the Winston we get in the movies where he has this kind of sarcastic sense of humor. But this is a younger, cockier version of it. So they drag him back to New York and then they take him out of the van. And he goes, oh, I just fell asleep. And then they're going through like the kitchen. He goes, oh, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted one taste of one of the pastries. Right. Like he, he kind of has these little quirky quips and everything. Uh, and then Mel Gibson. And then even upstairs with the coffee, uh, he's trying to get a coffee. And, and even when he leaves, he says, thanks for the coffee. But I don't think you ever see him actually get the coffee, do you? No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so he literally gets nothing. Yeah. But Mel Gibson has a history with him and his brother, which we haven't found out everything of yet. Yeah. Um, he's basically holding Winston responsible for what his brother stole, saying, you're going to give him to me. Winston and his brother haven't been on good terms for years. They, you get they, they couldn't care less about each other. They have no communication. Very much split up since they were children or whatever. Uh, and then it sort of becomes Winston's mission to find him. So he's sort of talking to all these people. Where can I find my brother? Throughout the course of the episode, he's talking to this person, this person. Now, he gets a car. Uh, which, as you said, that looks a lot like John Wick's car from yeah. the movie, the first movie. Yeah. Which we'll get into kind of theories on that later, which gets a little bit more spoiler heavy. But uh, he gets this car, and I love that, again, thinking about the era of New York we're in, and this guy saying, I, I don't want a scratch on this. And he even offers him a gun, and he goes, Winston's like, I don't need a gun. And he goes, no, it's not for you, it's for my car. <laughs> you protect this thing with your life. Uh, and then the fact that he has to cover this car up everywhere he goes. And then you see later on that like the car cover has just had graffiti put all over it. <laughs> but why people are not just lifting the car cover and they're just graffitiing it. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, so then he ends up finding this gun running crew, which they have a couple scenes earlier on. And you get that they have some history with Frankie. They weren't necessarily involved in the heist because they're saying they haven't seen him in a while. But they're running out of this karate dojo. And this is like that we talk about. In every John Wick movie, you have... He goes somewhere and it's like, there's a front, you know? Yeah. There's the front of the the wine tasting place. The, the Continental, in a way, is kind of a front. Uh, my favorite is uh, in John Wick 3, where you get the ballet company that's a front, right? Uh, and um, in this one, they've got a karate dojo. And uh, downstairs, they have all these weapons and everything. They basically give him the best clue. He finds his brother 
and he uh, uh, I guess they have a little bit of their backstory where they talk about like oh after you took the fall you resented me or whatever we haven't gotten too much into it his brother's got a wife um, we'll get into some theories on that later because you brought up something interesting that I hadn't quite thought about but uh, it, it, to a certain extent I did uh, and yeah then, right let me have the credit for it come on well no no because uh, because oh, I no. might dis- no I'm saying because I think I disagree on something because my theory was slightly different you're always the smart one in this family it's my turn well we're gonna see how smart I am in two more weeks if if we even find out at the end of the season but uh so him and his brother and his brother's wife there, there's a cool altercation you know he's basically hung there and again like the quirkiness where his brother's hideout is like an old movie theater a rundown dilapidated movie theater and they got Woody Woodpecker showing them. <laughs> now we gotta be really careful watching this because if our kids are upstairs going to bed and they hear Woody Woodpecker they will come running down the stairs because they love Woody 100%. Woodpecker yeah. yeah so as soon as that came up I'm like oh we gotta let's hope that there's no more Woody Woodpecker scenes in episodes two and three uh there's a bit of a shootout as they're kind of found there uh Mel Gibson has sent his people now Mel Gibson's character is Cormac if we refer to my character name he sent his people there. There's a bit of a shootout. The uh, the wife gets shot as they're sort of airlifted out. And then the brother, Frankie, stays behind and basically sacrifices himself to save his wife. Uh, that's the majority of the story. We'll get into the theories later. But based on their story, uh, any thoughts on it? Oh, so I'm not supposed to say anything yet? Well, I mean, sure. Get into what you think your theory is. Again, if people haven't, you know tuned out yet this is your last chance we're gonna get into some spoilers here well, i wouldn't say spoilers it's a theory but go for it it is a theory okay so i have i have two theories okay i only discussed one of them with you my first theory is that yen frankie's wife is pregnant with his child with frankie's child and this would make sense because if you look at frankie he ha- he can kill like John Wick like uh, you completely see that watching this this special here that he he just blows people away like left and right and everybody's talking about how you know if anybody was going to be in my corner or whatever kill people they'd want it to be Frankie like it's just built up like that right yeah. and not only that but you also witness him you know having these connections with people that's another thing and the other thing i don't know if you had thought about too but he obviously can speak multiple languages mm-hmm. that that might just be something that a lot of people that are in the continental that they just you know anybody do, in that line do. of business i think exactly but okay so that's theory number 1 theory number 2 is that yen somehow falls in love with winston and then it's winston's baby mm-hmm. I feel like maybe it's one or the two. Okay. Um, all right. So, and I have different reasons for thinking that. Now, one of one of the reasons you mentioned something about flowers. Can you expand on your flowers thing in this this show? I can't remember all the particulars on it from the movies, but if you, I think it was the card that John Wick had for his wife, or yeah. or something. It it was it was very it was very noticeable. Uh-huh. The daisies. I think daisies were. I don't know if it was his favorite flower or her favorite flower, but they bring the daisies back. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's important because the wife ex- escapes and she she takes the daisies with her. Yeah. Why why would she do that? Okay. Again, like, I, I don't want to spoil anything. That's not really spoiling anything. It's literally just a person taking flowers in a car. But come on. Okay, so that that's... Now, I'm going to... I'm not going to say I'm poking holes in your theory, but... I'm going to tell you, because the one thing I thought was Frankie, Winston's brother, 
he's basically the opening action sequence. And the way they film it, everything, even his look, his look looks like Keanu Reeves. Um, same type of hair, same type of beard and everything, same type of fighting style. Uh, but to me, them making him so much like Keanu Reeves is almost making it too obvious. I feel like if you're going to do it that obvious, you're going to reveal it in episode one because it, it felt like, oh, this is poor man's Keanu Reeves. Is this supposed to be his dad? And and where would Wick come from? Because their last name is Scott. Well, but th- th- there's a second part that's where I think that there may be some validity to it, okay? So my thinking is they made it too obvious this guy's supposed to be dad. Now, when you see Yen, the mother, now the interesting thing you brought up is that Keanu Reeves is part Asian in real yeah, life. Yeah, So maybe that's why they have the it could Asian work. mother. It, 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 that, and that would make sense. But again, I feel like everything is starting to feel too obvious that that's where they're going. Now, one thing we're not going to get into, because we are going to cover John Wick Chapter 4 by next year, because you know you know the movie Ballerina is coming out, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Ballerina, what, do we have a release date? Now it's June, so probably May of next year, we're going to do John Wick Chapter 3, and we're going to do John Wick Chapter 4 before Ballerina comes out. Um, but but for the math of it, though, does it check out? For, like, the age, okay, of, the a, the age of Frankie and Winston versus Keanu Reeves being now born. Now, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm going to say there's reasons why it could and could not work first the age i think is a problem because this show has to be something like 77 78 now i don't know exactly when this garbage strike was but let's just say it's 77 even okay 1977 the first movie takes place all movies take place in 2014 because they take place over the course of only a few weeks four movies over a few weeks so that would make john wick 37 years old in movies now keanu reeves looks young enough to be 37 years old but i feel like he'd been out of the business for what at that point six seven years the reputation he has i feel like he's probably a little bit older than that no way no but like here's the other part okay let's just say that these are supposed to be john wick's parents um what's to say that they didn't have a kid several years earlier because you know him and his wife they may have been together for quite a long time he hasn't talked to his brother in who knows how long right he's been back from the war for several years he's been involved in with uh, other people all these other you know gangs and stuff like that they could have had a child four or five years earlier, making Keanu Reeves, I don't know, mid, early to mid-40s. That could make sense. Now, what might go along with that is that you said, oh, what about Wick? What we see of his backstory in John Wick Chapter 3, and this is getting, a, I wouldn't say too heavy spoiler, but we find out that Keanu Reeves was brought up basically by the Russian mafia. That's why he has the connections to, um, oh, what's what's the guy's name, the villain in the first one? Oh, I forget. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, the the villains, the Russian villains in the first one, and then Ballerina, the the spinoff that's coming out next year with Anna Darmus, that's based around the sequence in Part Three, and Keanu Reeves is in that one. So we know that his upbringing was with the Russians. That doesn't mean he's Russian though. You know, if he was put up for adoption or something like that, or left with the Russians when he was a baby, that might check out. So I think there's things that go either for or against it. To me, the major reason why I think it's going against it is because. They seem to be trying to make it so obvious that's what it is. And typically, especially in television, you want to surprise the audience. And part of surprising the audience is convincing them, oh, I'm on to something that maybe not everybody's picked up on. And then they throw a sword at you as something else. Now, there's a very important thing, the very last scene of John Wick Chapter 4, that would tie to Winston and his family, as you were saying. But... Again, that's something that even in John Wick Chapter 4 we'll get into as a theory, but it could work for against it. So basically, I'm giving it a 50-50 thing. Personally, I'm going to say not as likely just based on how they filmed and presented this. I think that it's this is like a red herring. They're trying to fool what, you. What, 
if it turns out to be that, would you be disappointed or would you be like... I'd be disappointed. So this is the other thing I was thinking about. What's great about the John Wick movies is that whether it's John Wick's backstory or the whole world, this whole assassin's world that you realize with each movie is bigger and bigger and basically involves the majority of the world, uh, it's the mystery of it and the fact they only reveal little bits and pieces at a time. I think that... I personally would prefer if everything with John Wick's backstory was sort of left ambiguous. If they just have a big revelation, these are John Wick's parents. This is uh, what his, you know, his, his backstory is. This is how his upbringing was. Then I think that takes a lot of the mystery that these movies are built around. I wouldn't put it past them that they just sort of leave it as is. And they want the audience to think that as a theory. That's kind of like the last, when we get to John Wick chapter four next year, the last scene of John Wick chapter four, I think is meant to kind of, make people question, oh, is this where they're going with this? Or is that just some random throwaway line? So I, I would prefer it if they never reveal too much about John Wick's backstory. Hmm, interesting. Okay. It is interesting. That's fair. <laughs> uh, now, the B plot of this is with the police. And yeah, there's more, like, there's only a couple scenes. You get this female detective, and she's obviously sleeping with a married male detective. Uh, they're both working these cases, but... You get that he has some knowledge of what the Continental is and the secret assassin's world, and she doesn't. So she's. Can I also say I was not expecting that like fully nude sex scene? Yeah, it was pretty graphic. It's not what you even the John Wick movies don't include that. <laughs> I, uh -huh. I mean, I, I I I won't complain, but I mean that I was not expecting it. Yeah, yeah. So again, be careful that the kids aren't coming out. Let's just hope Woody Woodpecker isn't uh, playing in the background if they do any more scenes like that. <laughs> um, but uh, well, somebody's pecker was showing. Okay, okay, okay. No, okay, no, you didn't see his pecker. You just saw okay, breasts. Anyways, you saw breasts. Uh, anyways, that's a warning yes. for anybody who's who's watching it with children. There are breasts. I I'm assuming if they're still listening at this point that they've seen the show and you don't have to warn them. But anyway, breasts, breasts. We're just trying to say it and draw it out. How many more breasts? Breasts. Firm and plump breasts. <laughs> That's all you see, though. You don't see any, you know, no any, any any private parts or anything like that. No ball sack. Breasts. <laughs> um. Anyways, so what's interesting about this is, and, and again, I like that in the John Wick movies you have a little bit of that mystery. But one of the things that slowly gets revealed throughout, particularly three and four, is that. This whole world seems to just be in on it. You have cab drivers, you have police officers, like even the first John Wick movie, that, that cop who's like, you working again, John? Y you would think that this secret society would be more secret, but it's like 90% of the world seems to know they exist. And you get that that really cool scene in, in part two where they're having the shootout in the airport or, yeah. or the, the subway terminal, whatever subway, it was. Yeah. yeah. And they and never they, come they literally just take like a shot at each other and then they keep walking casually. Yeah, shot. but like the, the way that it's filmed, again, it's left, everything's left sort of mysterious and ambiguous. You can watch a scene like that and think, are they doing this and, and trying to say that everybody in this subway station knows that these guys are assassins and they just leave them alone because everybody sort of has this knowledge and is involved in it? Or is it that they're so discreet that people don't notice? Then you get the scene in part four which is like the big fight scene that takes place like in the middle of a giant square. It, it, it's like what we call it, like a roundabout where there's all these cars going around. Basically, they're in the middle of traffic for five minutes doing a fight scene and nobody's stopping or honking their horns like, what? what's going on there? Like, So you could watch these be like, people simply don't care. They don't notice or everybody's in on it, right? But showing this cop backstory to me was one of the most interesting things in the show because what we're actually seeing is that at this point in time... 
there's some knowledge of what's going on. The police just simply know. Listen, there's this hotel. There's stuff that goes on in there. Yeah. And we don't ask questions. Even you don't, you don't go like, in there. Yeah. The, 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 the male cop is like, don't go in there. Trust me. Like, stay away. And meanwhile, she's suspicious. She's like, what's going on? And there's this incredible scene. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say how amazing was that scene. Yeah. When she goes in there and they let her in and she sits down and she orders a drink at the bar and then she tries to pay with cash and they're all looking at her like, what? And she even, she's just sort of tipped off like, they're reacting weird. And then she sort of sees like the coins and the coins in the John Wick universe are very important. They're like these really ancient like coins. And, and all they have to do is literally just look at each other. And you see like, you see about like, what was it? Six or seven people, maybe even more that they just look. It's, it's all timed. It's yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Cause it's like how, how perfectly did that all have to work out for the timing that everybody just understands. Okay. Something's going on. Yeah. And like when they first introduced this cop subplot, I'm like, Oh, this is what every TV show does. You got to have somebody chasing him. And what makes the John Wick movies great is that it all takes place in this little world. Nobody on the outside cares. So when I was first seeing these cops, I'm like, oh, they're going to be investigating this. This is different. But then when I was seeing that one of the cops knows something's going on and the other one doesn't, again, we're seeing an earlier version of this world where you get the impression that from 1977 until 2014, just this completely took over. This society completely took over. The high table took over everything and that we're just sort of living in a different age. But now we're at the point in 1977 where some people know, even cops are like, some of them know and some of them don't. So it got me a lot more interested in the cop plot going forward. Yeah, it was really good. I, I think that um, that hotel scene is what really sold me on the whole cop thing. Yeah, because it's it's really creepy too. It's almost like I always reference this for a, for a James... And I, I wondered if they were going to kill her. Well, well, for a James Bond movie that I would probably rank in my bottom five, you know, Spectre, I always applaud the... Uh, the scene in Spectre, the actual, you know, Spectre meeting scene where Blofeld's at the table and and they recognize James Bond and it just, it feels like something out of a nightmare. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. It felt like something out of a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, now, all the other thing that really happens, we, we I don't know if we really have much of a cliffhanger, but like this, this episode sort of ends... And you know it's going to continue. Um, this is, it is sort of like its own mini movie, but it's like a mini movie with a very heavy cliffhanger, just in that you're going to have to watch all three of these back to back at some point. Oh, yeah. It's not like this is just one we like. Uh, this is a much more similar format to what they do like in England with television, like the TV show Sherlock. Each season of Sherlock was only three episodes long, but each season or each episode was a double length like this. But they were sort of contained stories. This is definitely not a contained story. I'm, I'm interested to see next week how connected these three episodes are or if it is more of like each one kind of has its own distinct personality because they, they've gotten directors. Like uh, I sort of mentioned to you before uh, we saw this uh, this evening that the guys who directed, the guy that directed this, Albert Hughes, he's one of the Hughes brothers and they, they've made like some major movies. They made the movie Book of Eli with Denzel Washington. Uh, there's a Mark Wahlberg, Russell Crowe movie, Broken Cities. Uh, a movie, one of the earliest movies, Menace to Society, but then a movie called Dead Presidents, which also was like a 70s dingy movie uh, involving a heist. One of the most incredible violent sequences you've ever seen of a bank robber or an armored car robbery was in Dead Presidents. So these are like big time directors. And I, I kind of feel like they're they're probably doing that. Like Albert Hughes is directed the most the first and the third episode. So I don't know if it's going to really connect, but then they got a different director for the other ones. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how connected episodes one, two, three are, if this is just sort of one story, if they all kind of have their own personality. Well, and I mean, you know, I, I say now that 
this is great. And I'm sure it's going to be great even when I'm finished watching this whole series that they have. But it is going to be interesting to actually watch all of these parts and see how it unfurls. And then also, well, which part is your favorite? You know? Is unfurls a word? <laughs> Unfurl? Unfurl. There you go. Make or become spread out from a rolled or folded state, especially in order to be open to the wind. Or unfurling a sail. There you go. I thought you made up a word. There you go. You knew a word that I didn't. Uh, you didn't know that word? It's such a common word. I mean, it's not something I use in my vocabulary, but yeah, there you go. I questioned for a second. I'm like, are you making up words? Is this like when you said froze or burned? Or the wind almost ballooned me over? Oh, <laughs> the, that's, just being, that's just being funny. It's like that Scott Pilgrim thing with the, when she names a thousand T's and it's like, did you did make, you make some, some of those up? up? Yeah. Um, performances we already talked about uh, i hope we get more of sharon i don't know if it's just gonna be a cameo thing uh i don't it's too early to say whether this is going to be like a season one season that leads into a second season uh it would be cool if they did i mean i kind of suspect at this point that this will sort of end with winston somehow maybe getting control of the continental or maybe it is multiple seasons but obviously we know he's gonna get control of it at some point right from it's the just, movies yeah. but it's just I'm starting to second guess whether I thought this would just be one season, one and we're done. Thank you for ripping apart my desk. <laughs> you unfurled my desk, Jamie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I, I sort of thought this would be like a one-time event, but I'm thinking now this may be a multi-season thing because we're one episode in. We've barely had interactions with Winston and the Continental. We don't know. I doubt they're just going to kill off Mel Gibson in two more episodes. There's only two left, but you never know. Uh, still, uh, great first episode. Um, I'm buying it 100%. Yeah, me too as well, of course. Anything John Wick. I mean, well, we're, we got two more to go, so we'll see if they all hold up. Uh, and by the way, this is officially called The Continental from the World of John Wick. Like, did they have to tag that from the world of John Wick? People simply wouldn't have known? Well, some people aren't educated enough. Uh, this is on Peacock in the United States. We get it on Amazon Prime here. Uh, kind of a funny story. Um, this was on, it was added to prime video here in Canada and I clicked on it just to see how long the episode was wondering how long is the movie going to go for tonight? Cause it didn't actually have a runtime. And then when we were on the way, oh yeah, I'm very tired. when we were on the way to the movie, you were saying your mom who was watching our kids tonight that she was very jealous. We got to see this and I'm like, well, why doesn't she watch it? And you're like, oh, is it on something? I'm like, it's on prime right now. Oh, I don't think she'd know how to find prime. And I'm like, she clicks on the Amazon Prime button on our remote. And it's like, well, then no. how is she going to search for it? I'm like, it will literally come up with the Continental. I'm talking about this searching for it because Amazon Prime and, and also Apple TV for that matter. It's not necessarily that easy to search on the TV. Okay. I'm well, not talking about on your phone. I know it's the exact same thing because I looked it up on the TV. I load Amazon Prime. The very first thing that comes up is a three-part series, The Continental from the World of John Wick. Yeah, you click on that. My parents boom, are old. That's true. They're old. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, we're both going to buy this, and we're going to be back next week to uh, cover it again, and then episode three, and uh, that will lead us into the ballerina probably um, well next year, so we'll cover John Wick chapter three and chapter four. We've got our other episodes coming out. Uh, the time you're listening to this, we have... Do we have one more to go? Yeah, we have Notting Hill to go next week. We're in rom-com month. So we just released You've Got Mail. Notting Hill's next. You watch that with me. 
Yeah. Um, and you did you enjoy it? I mean, I kind of got your. And you know, I've actually never seen it before. Yeah, and I hadn't either. And I love Julia Roberts. Yeah, but did you love this movie? It was very good, actually. All right. So I, 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 I think rankings. that I think that you know other ones like Bridget Jones or you know even Pretty Woman are is it hard? It's hard with Pretty Women because you see, with that, I have lots of nostalgia. This is the first time that I've seen this movie. Well, and here's the interesting. We covered this month. I'm saying this because Ben and I... Even you've got mail. Ben and I have been very high on this month. Much higher than we thought we'd be because my nostalgia with Pretty Woman is I watched it when I was a kid and hadn't seen it in almost 30 years, probably more than 30 years. Um, You've got Mail and Sleep in Seattle I pretty much grew up watching and then had never seen Notting Hill. But all those movies we love. Now, I want you you to just give me your rankings right now uh, between those four movies. So you're ranking You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, Pretty Woman, and Notting Hill. Um, you've got mail. Is number one? Yeah, Pretty Woman. Um, Sleepless in Seattle and Notting Hill. Okay, so it's similar. Uh, no, you know, I'm, a, I, I'm I swap. I'm a, a sucker for nostalgia. Sorry. Okay, well nobody's asking you to apologize. <laughs> and and that movie, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know what it is about um, You've Got Mail, but it's, it's just such a great fall movie. I yeah, love it. it. It takes place during all seasons. No, I know, but it feels like an autumn movie to me. <laughs> you mentioned that before. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Rom-Com Month is going on. Uh, stay tuned for Notting Hill at the end where we announce what our next month's going to be, but it's going to be spectacular. Yeah. Uh, we also is, have, is it going to have... Uh, don't, br- don't, is it going to have breasts? No, I don't know if it's going to have breasts. We're going to have to wait and see. We haven't seen the movies that are up there. Okay. Um, but there there will be one Christian Bale, Joel Edgerton movie in there. That's Will all he show things. his breasts? <laughs> Christian Bale will definitely <laughs> show his breasts in the one movie we're going to be covering. Uh, we've also got our 24 episodes. We're very close to the end of season five, the good season. We're about to get into season six, the bad season, which might turn out to be some of our best recaps because we're just going to mock it endlessly. Uh, Jamie has no interest in it, though. No. And you there's, can, there's no breasts. There's no breasts in 24. <laughs> Kiefer, tape them down so we don't get to see them. Uh, yeah, Stay tuned to the end of this episode. Find out how you could follow us on social media and uh, like and subscribe to the show and all that junk. Um, there we go. One episode down, two more to go, Jamie. You survived one. You actually showed up. Woohoo! All right. My name is Colin and breasts. No, you stole my line. You're shrugging your shoulders right now like I'm supposed to just come it's, up with You a... stole my line. All right, fine. This will be so effective by me saying something. My name is Colin and... Um... Guns. I need guns. Is that my line or is that yours? That's your line. Okay, my name is Colin, and guns, lots of guns. My name is Jamie, and... Press. (laughs) Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.